is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello, everybody. Chris here. Amanda's joining me as well. And we're so excited to introduce our guest for this evening. I have known this guest for a very long time. I met her at the ripe age of 11, her age, not mine. And I was directing a church choir where she was in attendance with her mom. And this girl sparkled then just as much as she does now. So I'm super excited to introduce Shannon Connors. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, thank you for having me. We're excited to have you. We've only had a few younger people on the show, and I think you all have a much-needed voice to add to this conversation because it's different being a 21, 22-year-old now than it was when Chris and I were 21, 22, which wasn't that long ago. It was like yesterday. But (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to do the math, but it's okay. So Chris knows a lot about you, but I don't, and neither do our listeners, so we're going to fix that right now. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into singing and what drew you to it and ultimately drew you to major in musical theater? I truly have been just a musical person, I think, since I popped out of the womb. My parents have videos of me when I was a kid singing butt naked in the middle of a room on a little stool, just singing Little Mermaid. I love the Disney movie musical stuff. Her grandma is a phenomenal opera singer and her mom is a beautiful singer as well and a flautist. So she came by it very naturally. I'm sure there were other people in your family that are musical, but those were the two women that jump out to me that just I know really influenced her. But it definitely was a magic all of your own. As much as I know your mom and I know your grandma, very few of them would be dancing around butt naked in their living room singing. But also bringing up Little Mermaid, what little girl did not turn every piece of furniture in her house into the rock on the little in the Little Mermaid? Oh, you and the could have me in the bathtub. Tub, it was <laughs> it was full blown production of Little Mermaid. I was singing all the time. I was a kid that really just liked to do things with people that I knew, like friends that I already knew. And my parents knew that performing was something that I really enjoyed and really wanted to do. When they signed me up for a theater camp, and I had an absolute blast doing it. It was a summer theater camp. I didn't know any kids in it. And that didn't seem to phase me at all. You know, my parents were like, we were shocked that you didn't care that you weren't going to have any friends going into it. You know, you just really were ready to go and really wanted to do this. And it's honestly just history since every summer, pretty much through high school, I did some sort of production. There really wasn't any other option considering like the college degree. It just kind of was my thing. People knew me as a choir girl. I was in four choirs in high school which was, I think, pretty much like the max that you could be in. And yeah, I just have been singing for years and years and years. I started taking lessons in middle school, I think. Music has always been something that I've been drawn to. There wasn't really a second option for me considering degrees and what I was going to pursue. It probably was more about where you were going to go to school versus what you were going to study. Shannon definitely gained the attention of quite a few places and people. I mean, this stunning young woman just jumping up on stage and singing with Kristen Chenoweth. It was like, no big deal. I'm just going to sing for good and I'm going to nail it. And it went... For good is a super easy song. (laughs) Super easy. And it's super easy to (laughs) sing in this part, by the way. like You know, on stage at Wolf Trap. That being said, Shannon, what went into your choices and and looking... I mean, both Amanda and I have... I have kids in Virginia. Amanda's son, he's going to be closer to going to college than mine are. But what did you consider and how wide did you spread your choices? How far away were you looking? If anyone is listening that is thinking about going to school for musical theater or is in the middle of the process of it, do not use my experience as a template, please. I really didn't do the best job at submitting for a t- 
ton of options. I have friends that I went to school with that auditioned for 20 plus schools. Which in a way is overwhelming too. Well, it's overwhelming. And there's a happy medium. It's overwhelming and it's very much expensive. So then you can pull in classism and issues with that because not everybody can afford to go to 20 different schools because there's application fees. There's the travel with that. And that's how a lot of schools end up with diversity issues. And then they're like, why don't we have any black people in our studio or in our our, uh, program? And we're like, well, maybe. Why does everyone look the same in this room? Exactly. You know, and you bring up a good point. Like right now during the pandemic, I know things are completely different. So some students are actually getting more opportunities because schools are like, well, let's do digital. So like, oh, I can audition for a school 4,000 miles away. Oh, yeah, totally. But when you were auditioning, that just wasn't, you had to show up, you had to be there, you had to pay everything. They're not paying you to come audition. Sure, I wish. The audition process, at least when I was doing it, this is not what I did. I'll tell you in a moment what I actually ended up doing, but they have things called unifieds and there's different uh, locations like a Chicago and New York. There's multiple different like combined auditions, essentially. You can just go up to New York and audition for like 30 schools in one audition and then they'll further contact you. But that's an exhausting day. I had never done anything like that until in college when I went to VTAs and then SETC, which was like for summer stock stuff. So, But the college audition process is crazy from what I've heard. What I ended up doing was really not responsible of me. I put my mom through the ringer. I think she might have been more stressed than I was about the whole scenario. (laughs) I would almost guess that that's true, even though I don't even know what the experience was yet. But your mom would win for being the most stressed out for you. So basically what you do is you submit a pre-screen video, which usually includes two contrasting cuts of musical theater songs a monologue, I believe, and some sort of dance. I'm horrible about courting myself. I hate taking videos. I hate watching them back. The self-criticism just like will not stop. So I was very much a procrastinator on those videos. So I missed the deadline of a ton of schools. And then I submitted pre-screens to some schools and then just didn't even get accepted through my pre-screen. So I didn't even get the chance to audition for them, which is very usual. Don't let those get you down, everyone out there. I am a professional singer and I got cut from the choir. Oh yeah, no, the (laughs) pre-screen. There's so much behind it that's not to do with your talent. Like how many people do they already have? A lot of schools take into account how many people do we have that already look like you? Because they do have to think forward in terms of casting productions at the show. And, you know, now I hope that they're really focusing on diversity. Hopefully it becomes more about our skills and our voice part. One day. Hopefully, but we won't hold our breath. I ended up recording free screens very late in the game. I submitted and the three schools that I got auditions for were Penn State, Florida State, and Shenandoah. And at the uh, time... Not too shabby, Shannon. Yeah, not definitely too not too shabby. <laughs> Two massive schools and a tiny school and a tiny school that was only 45 minutes away from home and two schools that were hours away. At the time I was taking voice lessons with, this is a little plug for Edry Means Weekly, who has so much experience in the industry and just was a phenomenal voice teacher. She worked at Shenandoah. She was an adjunct professor. She still does work there. But at the time she was working there and she was telling me about Shenandoah and there was parts of me that was like, I want to be miles away from home for college. Like get me (laughs) out of here. But she makes it sound really great and might as well just give it a shot. So I went and did a a shadow day. I don't know if all schools do that. Maybe they do, but I absolutely loved shadow day. So if anyone's listening that is doing the audition process and the school offers a shadow day and you can get there and spend a day there, I highly recommend it. It completely gives you an inside look at the school and how it is to be a student. I ended up being like a shadow student while I was in college, which was also really fun. And I shadowed and I absolutely loved it. I took a dance class, multiple dance classes, like with the students. And in one of the across the floor exercises, I completely 
completely fell over. I just like oh, completely fell on the ground. Every single person in that class, I mean, I was laughing with them, but everyone was so supportive and kind of encouraging of like, you're going to fall, but it's just about getting back up. And there was this energy from just the student body that I had heard a lot of other schools did not have. I heard that a lot of schools were cutthroat and very vicious and competitive. And there is a competitive aspect to musical theater, especially once you get into auditioning. But it was just such a supportive environment. I really felt like I fit in. I loved that walking across campus took max 15 minutes. And that's why I loved my school oh, too. Oh yeah. Then I ended up, so I did the shadow day, everything. I got accepted academically. Usually that comes first just because it's a quicker process. And then I went to my audition for Shenandoah. It was the first one I had scheduled. And then I think the following weekend was Florida State. I did my audition. I felt really good about it. I found out before I was technically supposed to find out that I got into the musical theater program. And I was sitting in physics class and my mom texted me a hornet emoji. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I got in. Like I'm accepted. <laughs> and then I got this feeling of like, I don't even want to go to these other auditions. Like I don't even want to go. So that's a good feeling to have. I, Anyone out there who's applying to colleges, if you get that feeling, go. Amanda, with didn't you say I, you I got that at Hamilton? Thing. I mean, you just got that feeling. Yep. Yep. When I went up to Hamilton, I didn't want to go. My parents dragged me up there because my mom's therapist was like, no, this is a great school. Go. And I was like, oh, there's barely any more students here than there is at my high school. Mm-hmm. And I, it's in the middle of nowhere. And I don't want to go. Blah, blah, blah. On the way home, I was filling out the application. Yep. Applied early decision and did not look back. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Yeah. I canceled those other two auditions. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I know where I'm going to school. And I only had to do one audition. And you know, <laughs> Shannon, to give you a little peace of mind, I only auditioned at one school. I looked into other schools. I researched it. And I know your mom had you research it everywhere. I looked and it's just, I think when you're a human being that knows yourself really well, I don't necessarily think everybody needs to make quick judgments like that. But I think there is something to trusting yourself, trusting your gut and knowing like that was your first big adult decision and you made a good one. And like, it's kind of nice to give yourself a pat on the back and be like, my gut was right. Like I did this. So when you're 18, 17, whatever you are, when you're auditioning, you often are being told that you're not really the one that you should be listening to, but who else is going to go to college for you? That, like- is, that is a very, very good point because I'm very lucky to have two parents that are the most supportive without being suffocating and controlling. Like I don't have stage parents, which if I had stage parents, I would have given up far before. I wish parents knew that because you see the same thing with sports parents and stage parents and the ones that are vicariously living through their kids. Those are all the kids that are super talented that burn out in high well, school. Well, because college. they start to feel like they're not doing it for themselves. I know that a lot of those parents end up really forcing, say they go through the whole audition process and they have a few schools that they got accepted into and they're choosing from. I've seen it with my own eyes that parents want to shove a specific school down their kid's throat because it's on the top 10 list. Newsflash, <laughs> the top 10 list does not matter if it's going to affect your mental health. If it's Unless going to- you play basketball. Well, even that, look at oh, Oral yeah. Roberts Let's who go. thought they were going to Oral Roberts and making it that far. <laughs> Good point, Amanda. Good point. I know I take that back. Even you basketball players. I mean, Amanda was a swimmer, got a huge scholarship, right? To go to Hamilton as a swimmer, right? Academic. Academic. Yeah. academic. Yeah. But she went to a smaller college and she was able to get a great scholarship and go to a great college simply because it maybe didn't have the numbers or the size, right? But And I had a lot of people telling me what to do because I was a first generation college student. I came from kind of a blue collar neighborhood. And my principal was like, no, go to Penn State like everybody else, which... 
Penn State was great. A lot of people that I know went there because I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I didn't want to be an engineer. And I also wanted to swim. I knew I wanted to swim in college, like deep down. And I was not going to make a division one swim team. And also I wanted to swim, but I didn't want it to be my entire life. Right. And when you go D1 in sports, you sign your entire social life. Away. Exactly. You sign all of your extra time away. So I followed my gut and I'm glad and I'm glad that you did too. And that's something I wanted um, to talk to Shannon about as well. She ended up at the tinier school. You know, she ended up at the tinier school, but she ended up at a conservatory, right? She ended up at a music conservatory. She ended up with some of the best of the best in terms of students as well as professors. And I'm just curious that now that you made that choice, you jumped in, you chose Shenandoah. What was that like in terms of your expectation going in? And you did some incredible things in your journey at Shenandoah. In terms of expectations, I went into college, I was like, all right, this is like the real world. This is people who love to do what you love to do just as much as you love to do. And honestly, a handful, a lot of them are going to be better than you in multiple different ways. People are going to be stronger dancers. People are going to be much stronger actors. People are going to be much stronger singers. I really didn't ever experience being around people that cared as much as I did and trained like I did. Because in high school and middle school, it was like, oh yeah, Shannon, the musical theater kid auditions for the musical and then I end up getting the lead and not to say that other people in high school weren't talented I had a bunch of friends that were very talented I was in choir with people who I'm still very best friends with that have gorgeous voices but didn't necessarily have the same passion that I did the drive the thick skin for the industry honestly that's what it was there was something different about you Shannon I and I got to be there in the very 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 beginning but I could watch her audition for something and if you told her she didn't get it that was it she might have gone home and lost it in her house or let it all out. But from a very young age, she carried a professionalism with her about it. She respected the art. She respected what she was doing and what she was learning. And she never, ever once took for granted any part she was ever given, even if it was teeny weeny. I mean, you can go back to elementary school. And I think your mom had some beautiful story of some tomato or something you played at some point. But oh, you know it what was I mean? a butterfly. It was a butterfly. Yeah. But like you <laughs> never, it was, but you don't take it for granted and you still don't. And I think that's a really important message to get out there. Sure. You can start professionalism as early as you want. That's up to you. Yeah. There's this innate ability slash tolerance, I think, that to some degree... I was just like born with. I've always been told that I'm an old soul and like mature and older than like I actually am. But I think that I just always kind of had this concept of no sucks. It can be really devastating. It can really be a huge blow and just make you question everything. It's the getting back up, even if it's after a few days, if it's after a week, if it's after in this pandemic months of telling yourself like, I can't do it. I'm not good enough, et cetera. But then eventually getting back up that you can't really like learn. There's just kind of something that I feel I was born with, not to brag. <laughs> Um, Not to get all sappy there, but yes. Back to the um, expectation of college. So, all right, this is it. I am a little teeny little shrimp going into this school. I'm going to be a freshman. There's no way I'm going to be in a show for at least a year, let alone like a lead like I was in high school. Like I completely had accepted that my life from now on was not going to be full of lead roles in musicals. I guess the universe was like, surprise because I ended up for my first semester of college auditioning for Spring Awakening. And I went into that audition and don't do this listeners if you audition, but don't ever really go into an audition not knowing the show. But I went into the audition <laughs> not knowing the show at all. And I just- I've totally done that. <laughs> I've totally done that. And I- sang... I sang a song on Broadway from a show I have no idea about still. Yeah, it happens. You know what happens. I went into this audition. I sang a song that I loved. She used to be mine from Waitress and a monologue that I honestly like BS. And I ended up getting a callback for 
the lead role in a supporting female role. And I was like, oh no, I'm, I have all this material. I don't know any of the songs. How am I supposed to do this? So I was up the whole night before preparing and like watching the bootleg, trying to learn things. And I was like, oh no, no, like, am I going to go in there and look like an idiot? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I ended up getting cast as the female lead. I no. thought that was your junior year. I, it was even more impressive, Shannon. It really was a shock because I was like, this doesn't happen. This happened my freshman year in high school, but this doesn't happen in college. And it was just, it ended up really being that show. If people don't know it, that show's not a lighthearted, happy-go-lucky show. Yeah, Lots of The title is deceiving. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it touches us on some very serious, dark, heartbreaking subjects, but important subjects to discuss. I ended up forming friendships and just a connection with my director and the music director throughout that show. It, it truly was something that I will never forget. It was so incredible. It was like a dream. Like it doesn't really feel like it was real. In terms of expectations, I just was shocked first semester of college. Then my expectations of college were completely different than what they ended up being because this is a vocal podcast and I think vocal health is a very important subject that is not always... I was hoping you'd go here. And I'm pretty open about this. The summer before my junior year of college, so I think that was 2018, I actually ended up needing to get vocal surgery, which was truly, I think to this day, one of the most terrifying and emotional experiences I've ever had. I'm so beyond lucky to have the doctors that I have. I was actually traveling up to Philly weekly at one point to do speech and vocal therapy with two incredible speech and vocal pathologists. And I was seeing a surgeon who all over the world is, is known as the, one of the best of the best. Patty LaPone be, has used him too. So he's good. He's a good guy. And it completely turned my life upside down and completely changed my relationship with singing in some ways good, in some ways bad, to be honest. And, and just to back it up in terms of the reason I needed surgery, they found out that I've had reflux for quite some time and I had no idea called silent reflux. It's basically reflux where you don't know that you have reflux because you have no symptoms, which is just horrible. How awful. Can you believe our bodies do that to us? But that combined with when I was young, I was a yeller. I was a screamer. When I was a kid, I just like had a very loud, I sat pretty low. That I raised the pitch of my voice since. But over time, that and the overuse of my voice and the incorrect usage of my voice resulted in what they ended up calling, I think, a polyp. So it wasn't actually a nodule or node. It was just a polyp, which honestly, it functions like a node. So call it what you want, which then on the opposite side of my fold, it started to create a bit of scar tissue because of the hitting back and forth. So it creates like so a callus, I, right? You end up with right. a callus on the other side and a polyp on one side. And so it, it created a lot of difficulty, especially in my upper register belting. I needed to force some closure because they wouldn't naturally close all the way. I tried speech therapy for a while and I just, if I'm being honest, I wasn't great about keeping it up. I wasn't great about doing the exercises. Even when I was really good about it, the pathology never got better. It never got worse, which we're very grateful for. But but it just got to the point where surgery was unfortunately the best option. So in May of 2018, I went under the knife and it's was so silent for a week following, which honestly, everyone, I would really recommend just giving it a try, going silent for a week. You'd be surprised like how nice it is to not have to talk to anybody. But the recovery afterwards was pretty intense and emotional and difficult. Luckily, I am 100% healed. Last time I went to go get scoped, which was pretty long ago, I honestly need to go soon. I asked the doctor, I was like, hey, we were looking at the scope. I said, where was it that you operated? And he said, I honestly, I'm going to have to go look back in your files because I cannot even tell where I operated. That's awesome. And Shannon, I want you to go back and get scoped because what you have been spending this pandemic time on will be probably the most beneficial to your voice that you have ever done. We've been talking about this, how you've never been more into 
exercises and technique as you were during this pandemic. Like you tried to sing, you tried to do full on numbers, but you found yourself really just pulling back and grabbing onto the fundamentals again. Well, and for reference to the listeners, if you haven't caught on, Shannon graduated in 2020. So right in the middle of a pandemic and the plans were to go to New York City Mm -hmm. and everything got put on hold. So yeah, it sounds like you spent your time pretty productively though. Uh, (laughs) When everything shut down, they told us before spring break, they're like, pack a few extra weeks of stuff. There's discussion about school being closed for a few weeks. I laughed in their faces. I said, that is not going to happen. What are you talking about? It just was not in the realm of possibility for me at all. Luckily, I lived in a townhouse off campus. And when everything shut down, I was able to go and grab all my stuff that I needed. And let me tell you, virtual musical theater school is not how I would ever recommend trying to do musical theater. I'm in awe of all the students who are doing that hybrid scenario right now. I'm sure it took a lot of adjusting on the faculty and the student side. But it seems like, you know, they're really doing the most that they can in person. The most difficult was dance. I have no really good floor in my house to do dancing. I was slipping when I was tapping, and she like has breaking a- my ankle. No. You broke your ankle? When did you break your ankle? Oh, no, no, no. Like okay. actually breaking my ankle, but okay. almost breaking my ankle. Okay. Yeah. And she got a puppy. So she's like tripping over the dog all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a huge shock. And I'm someone who really, I mean, for lack of a better term, ADHD, I have a very hard time focusing when there's multiple things going on around me. So when I'm trying to focus on just a screen, but my clothes are hanging in the other corner and my mirrors over there, when I'm not in a classroom surrounded by the environment, it was near impossible for me to genuinely get much out of virtual school. So it just kind of put me in this apathetic headspace, to be honest. And the industry was just completely blown to smithereens. Like there was just nothing available to do except for virtual stuff. I already touched on how I hate recording myself. And it just isn't the same. The reason I love doing this is because of the literal energy of being around other people and creating something, which was a huge change in perspective over my years there in college, because it honestly was kind of a selfish attention seeking thing it felt for a while, like in middle school, high school. like, I mean, I like doing it. It's really fun, but I'm also getting all the leads and I'm getting attention for it. I'm getting validation that I'm talented, blah, 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 which I think is part of it in general. If you get validation from something, you're more likely to be drawn to doing it. But in college, I ended up doing some ensemble tracks, which I had never done before, really, except for in elementary school when I played the butterfly. But it opened my eyes. It's not just being the lead that I love. It's literally the environment and the energy and working to together and teamwork like it just is the whole thing but yeah you should, you should hear this girl go on about being in a chorus she could write a whole book about it she <laughs> loves being in the chorus of a musical oh, now she is like kind of like i could see her throwing some auditions i could see it happening <laughs> i don't do that once those auditions to go to but the graduating in the pandemic really kind of was not great it was wonderful in an aspect of my roommates and i my two best friends from school we got a whole month together in our townhouse that we so dearly loved and it was a really special time like we spent every day all day together we did ballet together in the living room it was just kind of one of those ridiculous scenarios but we were learning as we all went together so I mean very wonderful things have come out of the pandemic we got a puppy who has now become like my best friend and I've been nannying a now nine month old baby but I started nannying when he was only three months old that has completely opened my eyes to just how much I love spending time with kids maybe I do want to become a mom someday this pandemic has brought so many wonderful things 
things. And only recently have I gotten that spark back. I went a few months without singing, to be honest. I went a few months just like so angry and upset. And I felt like something had just been like ripped out from underneath of me. I think a lot of people struggled with their mental health or are still struggling with their mental health in the pandemic and something working on in therapy and let's normalize therapy because therapy is great. Woo woo. Um, Amanda's in college right now to become a therapist. therapist. (laughs) That's crazy. That's literally my dream job right now is to become a therapist. Well, you know, Shenandoah has a great music therapy. They sure do. They do. (laughs) They really do. Um, We have a lot of friends that have graduated from those programs. (laughs) But yeah, I really struggled with mental health for a bit at the beginning. And my therapist kind of helped me appreciate the downtime that it was forcing me to have. And once I got started working and having a schedule, I could totally feel myself regulating better, being able to focus on myself, but also being held accountable because there's a schedule that someone else is relying on me for. I'm very bad about creating a schedule for myself. But now my mental health is exploding because I feel like, how am I ever supposed to readjust to how things are going to go back to normal? And I'm like, I kind of like this pandemic life, honestly. I was like crying my therapist. We're going to be fine. I just had this conversation the other day. I said in the beginning, I was like, we'll never have this time again. Like that's how mm-hmm. I coped, right? I was like, we'll never have this time again. And then we're getting to a place where things are starting to open up. I got a second part-time job and like, I actually have to go someplace. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know. How do I, I don't want to be a, why don't I want to go out and be a a bunch of people. And I realized that some of that is a product of if you already suffer or struggle with mental health, if you already mm-hmm. have issues like that, and somebody puts you in a position where you're forced to isolate, at least for me, I found some comfort in isolation totally. that, I, that I never found before. So I'm having to re-encourage myself to get back out there. <laughs> and if you know me, anybody knows me, that's weird. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. And I think it's going to be more difficult. That's another way that I can tell that you know yourself. Because I think a lot of people are just so excited to get back out there and especially artists that have not been on stage for over a year now. But the closer it gets, we have a gig booked in a couple of weeks and my I'm feeling all of these anxieties that I never had before. And I thought I'd be so excited to go back to this. And I am, but I'm also kind of terrified on so many levels. It's so it's so strange because I remember like being so excited to move and get a fresh start. And and not to say that I'm not excited anymore. I'm very much excited. I'm going to move in with two wonderful friends who also know the city really well and I don't really know it as well. So that's going to be great. But I also am not ready for the adjusting to the industry as the industry adjusts because there's going to be so much trial and error. Who knows how things are going to go? I do feel very lucky that I have gotten my vaccine. So that gives me a bit of a sense of comfort in terms of my health and the health of those around me. Even then, I'm a bit of a germaphobe in ways. And so this pandemic has made me even more aware of germs. And I'm like, do I really want to go sit in a crowded audition room with all these people? Do I really want to go to a bar and like drink and dance with my friends and like with all these germs around me? I think what life looked like for you before you graduated, it looked different. You got the veil lifted a lot faster. Those things still existed and those same challenges would still have hit you maybe in three or four years. You might be like, I'm tired of this. Like, I think we all Mm -hmm. go through about a pandemic moment about five or six years into our like freedom we're like whoa had too much out there and you know you're going through even though i'm like twice your age however 
I graduated four months before 9-11. So I feel like in a similar way, you were prepared for a world that no longer exists. And that's what I felt. So I just got my first job. I had friends working in the Twin Towers and we were so excited for our lives. And then all of a sudden, all of our plans just disappeared or changed. And it was like, okay, well, we spent the first 21, 22 years of our lives learning about this world that no longer exists. Totally. And I think we've hit another- yep. And I was just going thing. into college when 9-11 happened. So it's very similar, right? I got my freedom. I went away to college and literally September of my freshman year, the whole world changes. And my entire campus changed because people were like no longer there that were there because they didn't feel comfortable being in the United States. We talk all the time about the resiliency that many younger people are going to have. I, I agree. I don't think that's abnormal. Look at Vietnam. Look at people who went through many different times in our culture. But yeah, I think that's what you're feeling is exactly right. I mean, I think you hit it on the head. You're feeling this. I was prepared for life before 2020. It's different like I now. did all like, the emotional preparation for that. For that but I <laughs> yeah. didn't do it. I need four more years. It's not a starting over. It's just a, a lot of readjustment. And yeah, and you're going to have to readjust with the whole industry that's readjusting right along with you. So there's a lot more effort that's going to go into it. And I think it'll be exciting and scary all at the same time. Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold myself. Something I, I also feel very grateful for is my parents are so supportive and let me go to college for this, but also simultaneously telling me like, hey, if you end up not wanting to do this, no one's going to be mad at you. Or if you end up changing your career path, that is okay. That's normal. I know a lot of parents who don't let their kids go to school for the arts because they're like, you need a more stable job. Job. Right. And <laughs> my own husband is saying that right now to our children. And I'm like, I completely understand from a financial perspective, going to school for musical theater, spending, you know, however many thousands of dollars for a private institution, and then kind of being like, oh, well, mm, I'm gonna go. You still learn, you still learn things that you can apply. And I'm, I'm also not, you know, sitting here saying like, I'm not gonna perform, but I'm also open to other paths for my life. I've kind of come to the realization, like, this industry is really hard. And I do have really tough skin. But I think there's also the internal self judgment and upkeep just holding yourself accountable for so many different things that I hope that I have, but I haven't had in the entire pandemic. So it's going to take work for me to like find that within myself. And if I don't end up having that in myself, I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to find another job. I tell myself I can go to New York and do anything. I can do anything in New York. I'm hoping that like with the change in scenery as well, and kind of being surrounded by that energy of the city, I will get that kind of burst of motivation that I need. It's just, it's so weird because it just feels like for the longest time, my career wasn't even a possibility. And so now when they're like, oh yeah, it kind of is a possibility and you can give it a try if you want. I mean, there's only a few auditions that you could possibly audition for and everyone is auditioning for those. So the likelihood is, you know, much lower, but it's comforting seeing things starting to go back to normal. It's worth a try. I, I'm not gonna beat myself down too hard if I end up changing my mind, but I am gonna probably give it a go and just see what comes of it. So Chris, now we have to go up to Broadway and we're going to, you know, Zoe and Shannon, we're going to put them in a show. We are going to be in New York supporting both of you. And the next time we do Broadway Goes Acapella, you're jumping in with us. All right. Shannon, it was so lovely to speak with you today. And I'm so excited for what's ahead. We're all starting over and you're going to get a fresh start with all of this experience ready to go. Thank you. Thank you again, Shannon, for coming on the show. And we will see you next Tuesday.